hydrate every soul in your house with Old Testament. We've ground the pages of old unused Bibles into a fine powder and added a touch of peppermint oil. Simply diffuse this scripture mixture and your whole family will be truly living and breathing God's Word. Three slices and one topping, that would be probably ideal for me. Cinnamon is great for purification and protection against environmental threats. Administer a few drops to your skin and ungodly impulses are quickly replaced by a gentle tingling sensation. Act now and we'll throw in our proprietary Peace Now dispenser at no extra charge. Fill your house with the peace that passes understanding and consciousness. Eat it, drink it, diffuse it, cook with it, put it in your laundry, bathe in it, remove your blood and fill your veins with it, or simply rub it directly on your soul. No, your soul. Now you can care for your soul the way nature intended, with the distill oil of random shrubs and weeds from around the world. Oil of Obey Spiritual Essential Oil. Not just essential, reverential. Don't you want to wish it was that easy? Like when you were having spiritual dry times in your life, your spiritual energy just wasn't there, your excitement for the things of God just wasn't there, you just rub something on and instantly your spiritual life gets better. But the reality is it's not that way, is it? I mean, there's, there's not some magic formula to make your spiritual life get re-energized or new excitement. It, it takes steps. It, it takes sometimes work. Most of the time, it takes changes, which is why we've been in this series called Recalculating. And we're sort of taking the idea of driving down the road and, and taking a wrong turn and having to recalculate, having to turn around and get back on the right road. We thought as we start 2016, this is the perfect time to recalculate spiritually. So the past three weeks, we've been talking about areas of our lives that maybe need a little adjustment as we start 2016. And today, we're going to talk about one of the most important. As a matter of fact, this one probably affects all of the other areas of our lives. And it's the issue of building community with other people, relationship, friendships. And we do that here at Journey through small groups. So we're going to talk about that in a little while. But just this idea of, of building relationships with other believers and building community is essential to who we are as followers of Jesus. Um, our, our memories are interesting things. Uh, here's what I mean. I can remember clearly things that happened 40 years ago, and I can't remember much of anything that happened last week. I don't know why the mind works that way, but I have these crystal clear memories from when I was a kid, and, and most of those memories involve friends, involve relationships. If, if you saw the movie Inside Out, you, you could totally relate to songs that pop into your head out of nowhere, memories that pop into your head out of nowhere. For me, especially when I'm thinking about childhood, there are particular people. Uh, for example, one of my best friends in third grade was a guy named Jess. Jess went to a holiness church, and if you don't know what that means, that means that we didn't talk about Jess's church because it scared me to death whenever we talked about it. And if you're from a holiness background, I apologize, but the whole thing scared a third grade Baptist boy. So we did not talk about his church experience, but we were great friends. 
One day uh, in third grade, Jess and I got this great idea. We decided that we were going to get in a fight at recess over a girl that neither one of us liked and neither one of us really knew. And I'm confident she didn't know us either. But as third grade best friend boys, we thought this was a great thing to do is get in a fight at recess. And so sure enough, I remember it like it was yesterday. Jess and I on the playground, it's recess. And just because we thought we would do it, we got in a fight and, and I won. Uh, is how I remember the story. I, I think Jess remembers it differently, but I, that's how I remember it. I haven't seen this kid in 40 years, and I remember that. I remember the teacher lecturing us after recess and trying to figure out why two good boys, best friends, got in a fight with each other at recess. And if you teach third grade boys, let me just help you out. There was no answer to that question. Like, there was no why it happened. We were third grade boys, and we thought, let's go do this, and we did it. That's all there. That's a glimpse into the mind of third grade boys right there. I remember that. Why do I remember that part of being a child? Third grade again. Third grade must have been very pivotal in my life. I remember the details of a kickball game in third grade. I don't know why I remember this. I remember the details... It ended when another friend was coming home and we got him out, but he refused to accept that he was out. And there was this huge uproar on the playground in third grade because his team thought he was safe and our team thought he was out. And I ended up pushing him down, which maybe these memories just mean I was a problem child as a kid. I mean, there's, there is some connection. I do have memories that don't involve violence. But my memories of childhood, the really clear ones, all have to do with the friends I had, the people that I knew. And, and that's kind of the same in, in middle school, right? It's kind of the same in high school, you, maybe even college. You remember some really key relationships when you were growing up. Then we became adults, right? <clears throat> and let's be honest, adulting is hard. Right? You ever have those days when you just don't want to adult anymore? It's like, can I resign from adulting? Because when you became adults, you suddenly had responsibilities. You had a job you had to go to. You had expectations from your boss. You had deadlines you, you had to meet. Some of us got married, right? And then things just got more complicated. The calendar got more complicated. The schedule got more complicated. Then some of us had the bright idea that we would have a kid, and then some of us had more than one kid, and then life got even more complicated because they had sports and, and music and school and academics and homework and project. I have to make a guillotine tonight. I just throw that out just for sympathy. These are the sort of things that happen when you're an adult, right? Adulting is not always fun. And what tends to happen as adults is we tend to kind of move away from relationship. And there are a lot of reasons for that. We, we get busy, right? It, it, it seems harder to have relationships and friendships and connections when you're doing... Maybe it's not harder. It, it just doesn't seem like the priority because there's so many other priorities in our life. There's so many other things calling for our attention. Um, I, I think as we 
become adults, another thing that impacts relationships is we realize that there are weird people in the world, right? Like when we were a kid, our threshold for friendship was really low, wasn't it? Like if you play with me, I'll play with you, and we're friends. As, you, as we get older, we become opinionated, we become judgmental, we become suspicious. And so the window of people we'll let into our life starts to get a little smaller. This is why we have high school reunions. We don't have people I knew in my 30s reunions, right? You don't try to get together all the people you knew in your 30s or 40s and and hang out. You get together with the people when you were a kid because you had so many relationships. And honestly, we do high school reunions because we want to make sure our ex married somebody fat and ugly, right? That's kind of that's one of the perks of high school reunions you don't get in 30s and, and your 40s. But nonetheless, relationships are easy. Uh, there are more of them when you're younger, and then we get into adulthood, and life kind of takes over. Now, this would be fine. This would be fine if we weren't created to need community with other people. This would be fine if our Creator Himself didn't exist in community and create us in His image, which is to be in community. This would be fine if relationships and friendships weren't part of what helped us grow, what made this life beautiful and meaningful. It would be fine, but the problem is all of that's true. Our Creator does exist in community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We don't fully comprehend what that means, but God presents Himself to us for all of eternity, past and future, as a God who exists in relationship, in community. And then He creates us in His image with this need, this part of us that needs human connection and relational connection. He tells us about it over and over again in His Word. I mean, he doesn't just exist in community, but over and over again in his word, God says, this is important, this is important, don't neglect this, don't let go of this. Here's a couple of examples. Hebrews chapter 10, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approach. Like, keep doing this. Do it more and more. Don't, don't get together and have friendships and relationships and community just when you're a kid. When it's easy on the playground. The older you get, the more time passes. Commit to this. And, and maybe that's just a hint that, hey, it's going to get harder in your 30s. It's going to get harder in your 40s. You're going to be tempted to believe that you don't need this in your 50s. Don't stop building relationships with other people because you're going to be better as a result. Don't stop encouraging one another. Have you noticed in the Bible how many one another's there are, particularly in the New Testament? Encourage one another, love one another, serve one another, be kind to one another, forgive one another, bear with one another, put up with one another. None of the one another's work if we aren't in relationships. Right? Relationship, community, friendship is a prerequisite to being able to fulfill all the one another's in the New Testament. The Bible, over and over, holds up as a priority this need to be in community with one another. Another verse, this is Proverbs 13. Walk with the wise 
and become wise. Surround yourself with good, smart, spiritually wise people, and you're going to get better. That's going to rub off on you. You're going to learn from them. You're going to grow from them. You're going to mature because of the people that you're in community with. Do this a lot. Another proverb, 2717. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. In other words, we make each other better. You get the right people in your life. You get the right community, the right friends, the right relationship. You get better, and hopefully they get better because they're in community with you. We get better. We need this. Get in our 30s, we get in our 40s, our 50s, our 60s, and we think, I'm good. I don't need this. I'm kind of settled. I got too much to do. Not not according to the Scripture. The Scripture says we need this. Another proverb, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. Great phrase, at all times. It sort of infers that there are times that you're not very lovely. Anybody like that here? Anybody in the room? There are times when you aren't that lovely. Anybody sitting next to someone who is not lovely sometimes? Right? We're all that way. We all have moments, days, some of us a few months, when we're just hard to be around. We got edges, right? We got sharp corners. Scripture says if you're in a relationship with somebody, like if you're in community, a friend, not like passerby, not like, hey, how are you? If you're in relationship, friendship with somebody, they're able to love you even then. Anybody have times when you don't even love yourself that much? Like you really look in the mirror and you think, I don't like what I see. Solomon is telling his kids, he's saying, look, you got to live in community because sometimes you're not going to love yourself very much, but there's going to be somebody you're in relationship with that's going to love you through that. A friend loves at all times. But here's the thing. At all times depends on friendship. It depends on the relationship. Like you don't get at all times love from somebody until you've established relationship with them, until you've spent time with them, until you've invested yourself and they've invested themselves. That sort of person only happens in our life when we've developed relationships. Rest of that verse, it goes on to say, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Brother is just another way of saying friend. It doesn't mean the family member or a male. Brother, sister, friend, amigo, posse, whatever you call your people, that person not only will love you at all times, but, but that relationship is at its best when things get hard. That friend... That relationship is born for adverse. When times get hard, you're going to need that in your life. You're going to need that person. And you're going to need somebody like that in your life when life gets big because you're not supposed to go through those times by yourself. That's when you need a friend. Now, here's the thing. When life gets big, it's kind of a little late to start developing that relationship. 
Right? This relationship's got to be developed and grown over time so that when you do hit those times or when they hit those times, the relationship's already there. It's already happening because friendship relationship is born for those kind of times. I am, I'm a Kindle reader. I got into the Kindle wave late because I'm old and I like having a book. I like holding it and turning the page and writing all over it. And I still buy some books if I know I'm going to make a lot of notes. But I do a lot of reading now on my Kindle. And uh, I mentioned this to some of you before. Uh, I bought the Kindle Touch years and years ago for two reasons. Number one, I'm cheap and it was inexpensive and not as expensive as the, the Fire or those really nice ones. The second reason I bought it is because... It doesn't play movies or music, and you can't download apps or surf the internet or get on social media, so my kids never bother it, right? Like, if I, if I put my Kindle down somewhere and leave it for a month, it's going to be there. Because all you can do is read books on it, and so my kids don't ever want to bother it. So I had this Kindle, and uh, Amazon gives these daily deals, like 99-cent deals. And uh, years ago, probably three or four years ago now, I, I downloaded a 99-cent deal called Desperate Passage. It was, a, it, was a it was a recounting of the Donner family passage. Some of you are familiar with this. 1846, 1847, the Donner family and a group of other people are traveling from the east out west to make a new uh, home for themselves and a new future and discover gold and all the things you want to do when you go out west. The problem was you had to leave by a certain date or else you'd get caught in winter. If you hadn't crossed the Sierra Nevada mountains, you'd get snowed in. There was no way to cross. And because of a, a series of events, the Donner group kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And sure enough, they got caught in winter, had to spend the entire winter out in the elements uh, before they got to the Sierra Nevada mountains. So this guy writes this story. It's, it's an older book. He had interviewed some of the family members and uh, what it took to survive. And there's all kind of rumors about what they had to do in order to survive. Family denied it. But anyway, um, at the end of the book, he's drawing some conclusions about why some people survived that trip and while, uh, why other people didn't. And here was his basic conclusion. The survival rate was tied directly to how much relational connection a person had. The more relationally they were connected with the group, the greater their chances of survival. It wasn't male-female. It wasn't age. It wasn't even physical condition. Because some of the strongest young men died in the process. They weren't connected relationally, really, to the rest of the party. At the end of the book, he writes this. The Donner Party is not merely a story of how hard people will struggle to survive, but of how much they need each other if they're going to succeed. How much they need each other if they're going to succeed. Now, I'm guessing none of us are going to get trapped in the Sierra Nevada mountains in the winter, all right? But you're going to go through challenging times. I'm going to go through challenging times. And what gets us through those times to a large extent is our connection with other people who make us better, who love us at all times, who encourage us. 
if that's true, if that's true, then we have to find a way to overcome some of the obstacles to connection and community. And, and here are a couple. I've already mentioned one. Adulting is a challenge, right? Just adult life is a challenge to connecting with other people because we're busy, we're going, we have kids in sports and music and school and academics, and we have responsibilities, and those aren't going to just disappear. Those are all a part of being an adult. It also doesn't help that we're, we're growing increasingly comfortable hiding behind phones and screens and social media accounts. So we have all of this in our society that as adults makes it very difficult to connect. And like I said, those aren't going away. But, but what if the Bible is right and community is not an option? In order for you to be who God wants you to be. Relationship is not an option. If iron really does sharpen iron. If a friend is born for adversity. If that is true. And I'm convinced it is true. I think the Bible tells us what is true. Then you and I have to find a way in 2016 with social media and travel ball and all of the things that we have to do. We have to find a way to live in community with a few other people. Uh, another challenge. It's the challenge of past or current relationships on new relationships. Past or current relationships. A lot of you are like me, and, and to some extent, even though it's hard, to some extent you kind of have go-to friends right now. Like they're the ones you call and eat with and go to the movies. Like you have some go-to friends, and that's fantastic. That's, that's what the Bible's talking about. Have some go-to some go-to friends. My suggestion is, okay, get your go-to friends and get in a small group. And then open your circle to a few new friends. Crack the door enough that somebody else could experience what your group is experiencing. Some of us had great friendships and relationships five years ago, ten years ago. Maybe it was in a church, maybe it was with the travel ball team our kids were a part of, maybe it was in the community. We had this great relationship, and so every time we think about getting in a small group or we think about forming a new community, we compare everything to 10 years ago, and we think, well, I could never have that with, with this new people. Well, it's not going to be like that. You're right, it's not going to be like that. It's not. But here's what I'd be willing to bet. <clears throat> I bet that group that in your memory was so wonderful and fantastic and awesome, it, it probably didn't start like that. I mean, it probably started with a couple of people going out to dinner or a couple of people meeting for something or a couple of people having a conversation or having coffee and then that led to another coffee and then that led to somebody's house for a cookout and then that led... And, and then, yes... Before you know it, there was this great connection, but probably it didn't start there. Here's what I'm suggesting. Maybe you would start that cycle with somebody else right now, with a new group, with a new small group, and you would give it sufficient time to find out, could this be a group that, that I kind of share things with, that, that I get into community with? Um, another 
another challenge. It is just the awkwardness challenge when it comes to relationships. Let's just be honest. Signing up for a group, going to somebody's house, stepping into a room full of people that you're not sure if you know is awkward. It just is, initially. I said in the first week of the series that it's always inconvenient to recalculate, whether that's your health, your nutrition, your exercise, your finances, anything that you're trying to make better, it's always inconvenient at first. There's always that awkward, oh, this is just kind of work right now. Yeah, and relationships are like that too. You have to find a way through the awkwardness of that initial, am I going to know people? Am I going to like this? Is this going to be good for me? And just do it. Now, some of the awkwardness, let's be honest, is personality-driven because those who are more on the introverted side, um, they're starting to have the shakes this morning already, right? Just thinking about, you mean I got to go talk to people I don't know, right? And introverted people, I totally get it because I'm one of you in that I get energy, I kind of get built back up by being alone. Like big crowds don't charge me up. Being by myself charges me up. And so I have to get away. So I'm like you. I totally get that. But even if that's your personality bent toward more introverted, even though we were created to get energy by being alone, we weren't created to always be alone. And I think for me, as I get older, there's more of that temptation to think, well, I don't need anybody. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine the way I am. We weren't created that way. And as introverts, even though we need some alone time, God created us to need one another too and to become our best as we're in community with one another. Right? Like the extreme extroverts, they're on board right now, right? Like if they could join the church a second time, they would join again this morning because we're talking about people and talking to people. And they have never walked in a, into a group full of people and been nervous about it. Like It's like recess to them. If you've got a group of people that can't escape and they're going to be with them for a whole hour, this is like an extrovert, extreme extrovert's dream. Like They just love this idea. But for those of you who are extroverts, as we got one right down here. We got one right down here. Um, even though you were created to get energy by being around people, you need alone time too. I mean, we see Jesus coming and being with people and Jesus being alone, right? And e- even if you're extroverted, you need relationship, you need group, and you need time away. And if it if not for you, then for the rest of the introverts, they need you to go away sometimes, right? I'm just out of love. I'm just trying to help you understand people, right? They need space, and so you need to go away, and they need to go away. Regardless of personality bent, though, God created all of us with a need for community. Whether we understand it or not, whether we, whether we see it or not, whether we agree with it or not, there's a part of you that can only be what God created it to be to the degree that you're in relationship with somebody else who'll love you 
encourage you, hold you accountable, challenge you, and you do the same for them. This is how we were wired regardless of our personality. And the way we do that here at Journey, the way we try to accomplish that is in our groups. Twelve weeks, you get in a group, see if you click with some people, that twelve weeks may turn into longer, may turn into friendships outside a church and outside a group. We just know that the foundation of what we're trying to do is going to be built because people are connecting to one another and connecting to God in smaller circles. Look, I love Sunday morning. I mean, I love this. I love the band. Uh, I, I love the music. I love it when the batteries work. And like, I, I love the whole, this whole deal. I love Sunday morning. I love doing this, all right? This is my jam, man. I love talking and, and talking about God's Word. I love Sunday morning. But here's the thing. It's hard to connect with people on Sunday morning personally for any of us. Because we come in, we find a seat, the staff moves the chairs around and makes it hard, you know, so you got to overcome that deal. So you come in, you find a seat, service is over, you go out, you grab the kids. Anybody feel like they're in the way in the lobby? Like it's so small. Like you just, everybody feels like they're in the way in the lobby, so people get out the door quickly, and you're in your car, and you're on your way home, and you've had the same 30-second conversation, hey, how are you? I'm fine, with the same five people you always have that conversation with every Sunday morning, and relationships haven't moved anywhere, all right? I love Sunday morning. I just know that Community and connection and relationship and life happens outside of Sunday morning. And in order for us to be healthy and strong, not just have a great first year to brag about, not just have a great launch to talk about, not just have a, wow, you know what God did that first? No, for us to have 50 years, 100 years, for this to be going on when we're all dead and gone, People have to get connected to God and to one another. And so we're building a small group ministry. It's not perfect. It's not where we want it. We're putting one brick in place at a time, and we want you to come help us. We want you, regardless of the hesitation or the awkwardness, regardless of the challenges, we want you to find a group to try. Just try. This semester. At most, it's 12 weeks, right? And if it's awful, you're done in 12 weeks. But we want you to, to seek what the Bible wants for us, which is to live in community with one another because we make each other better when we do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for modeling for us and commanding us in your word to do things that are sometimes uncomfortable and hard because you know that they will be what's best for us. We do that as parents all the time. We make our kids do certain things because we know in the long run this is the best thing for you even though you don't see it right now. And, and, and for some of us, relationships are that way. Small groups are that way. Community is that way. It's, it's a challenge to fit into our schedule. It's 
a little awkward with our personality, but you've said this is how we were created. This is what we're to do. This is how we experience a fuller spiritual life is by being in relationship with a couple other people. So I just pray you give us the courage to try it this semester. Just give us the courage to try In Jesus' name. invite our ushers to come forward I invite you if God puts it on your heart that you would participate in our giving we thank you for being here when the buckets come by you're going to put the, the connection cards in there but if God leads you to give we thank you for that you can make a check out to Journey Church or if you do your giving online it's journeyloganville.com We're having, uh, we're just calling it Journey Celebration. And we're going to look back at what's happened the last 10 months. Some of you didn't know we've been doing this for 10 months. We're going to talk about the early days. Some of you were here that first night. We're going to talk about that night. We're going to show you some pictures. And we're going to just thank God for what He is doing and what He is building and what He is accomplishing. We're going to look forward to this next year and just kind of talk about some of our some of our goals, some, some of the direction we feel like God's leading us. And we're going to give you opportunity to meet some of the small group leaders. Totally up to you. Won't be forced to, but they're going to be here. They're going to be around the building. And if you got a question about when they meet or what they're going to talk about or how it's going to work, they're all going to be here. So you don't have to just sign up on a list and wonder, who is that person? You, you'll see them. You'll, you'll You'll get to meet them. I want you to come back. Band's going to be here. We're going to worship. I'm going to talk to you about who we are and and where we've been. And we're just going to thank God for his goodness to us. So if you can, 6 o'clock tonight, would love to have you. We're going to have snacks. All right. If you're a snack person, we're going to have snacks. If you don't come for anything else, come for the snacks. All right. We'll we'll have something to eat and drink and, and we'll celebrate. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing, and then Chris will dismiss us. You give life.